Well, hello, dear friends, and welcome to Romance at a Glance. I'm your host, Bridget. Shawnee will be on the interview today with me on Authors at a Glance with Tessa Bailey. Tessa Bailey is the queen of Dirty Talk, and we were so pleased to be able to get her on an episode this season. We are trying to get her in season three, but due to some scheduling issues, we weren't able to make it happen until this season. Some other fun things of note, guys, we are dropping some awesome Patreon content at patreon.com forward slash romance at a glance. You can find extra reviews, fun movie dates. You can hang out with us. We'll talk to you. We have smutty, smutty book boxes coming out quarterly. You can get fun stickers and merch. You can support the show guys we're an indie show coming at you for free on the podcasting app of your choice so if you like the podcast and want to support us and want to support a small business and some fun bookish ladies well we are your friends romance at a glance that's us patreon.com forward slash romance at a glance some other fun things coming up we got some cool giveaways on the horizon folks so make sure you follow us on instagram at romance at a glance We have some awesome authors and publishers who are kind enough to donate some delicious, delicious books and swag for you. So keep your eyes out for those giveaways coming at you all of November and December. And we have some awesome collaborations coming up too, you guys. We are talking with Sarah from Smart Bitches Trashy Books. That episode comes out in December. Could not be more excited. We have some other amazing author interviews that we've been recording with Katie Robert, R.E. Hargrave, Nalini Singh, Lucy Lennox and May Archer, and more. You guys, Authors at a Glance is popping this fall. Everyone has been so gracious with their time, including today's guest, Tessa Bailey. So without further ado, let's get it popping and have some fun, y'all. It's about to get dirty. Romance at a Glance. Uh-huh. Romance at a Glance. What you saying now? Romance at a Glance. Go ahead, girl. Uh, well, Tessa, thank you so much for being here. This is such a delight, you guys. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. We've actually been chatting with Tessa for like 20 minutes because I had a small child snafu and she was nice enough to just hang out with us until we were all set. So now it is time to get into the nasty. But first, Shawnee has a funny Instagram question for you. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, I really feel like this is um, super important. <laughs> How does one go from making mummy pops? to ghost pops. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Did you see that? Oh my God. Um, so like a couple, um, just to give some background, (laughs) a couple of weeks ago, I did a, uh, Halloween scavenger hunt for the kids in the neighborhood. And because, you know, like most of them didn't trick or treat this year. So we just wanted to do something that was like, um, among only among like six, families and it was all outside and masks, et cetera, et cetera. But I was like, you know, we'll have like a little, I'll, I'll hand out some treats in the backyard afterwards. It'll be great. And uh, I don't bake. I don't cook. Like I don't have any utensils. I'm, I don't, I, it's just, but I watch bake off. So I think I know what I'm doing. I'm like, that doesn't look that hard. So I tried to make, and it was really basic. It was like dip it was like stick a, a, a stick up inside of a marshmallow treat, Rice Krispie treat, dip it into the chocolate uh, or the candy melts, you know, like the vanilla candy melts and then de- and then pipe on some mummy stripes. Like <laughs> the first one, first one came out. out that one. Yeah. <laughs> the Instagram story was like, 
this is working out wonderful. And then 30 seconds later, I was like, God damn it. <laughs> I was like, this stuff turned to concrete in 30 seconds, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Candy melts are tough. I, I am a baker. I love to bake. And the first time I ever used candy melts, I did this like little um, carrot, like an orange carrot with like little green leaves. And I stuck it in this little carrot cake muffin. It's cute as fuck. And, but I totally fucked up like 10 of them before I finally got the, like the rhythm and the timing. Cause you really got to like know what your vision is and you got to execute quick and then yeah. get it on a flat surface so that it doesn't get all smashed and nasty. It's true. You really have to have a game plan. There's no time for delays. I, I was like, somebody that somebody said to me later in the day, they're like, you need to keep, um, your candy melts, uh, like on a warmer, warm. you need to keep it on top of a warmer. I was like, I, I said, look, <laughs> cut the hole in the plastic bag and stick the thing in. I don't have, I can't be like scooping that stuff in every 30 seconds. <laughs> like I, that is way beyond my capabilities. Uh, so anyways, the mummies just, just decided they had to be ghosts at the end. Hey, that's a, the kids loved them. I bet you the kids didn't care at all that they were ghosts. They were like, this is chocolate and rice crispy. Well, I'm into that. They didn't care. No, it really was funny though because it was like she's like oh, okay I, like I got the hang of this and she made one and it was a perfect it was a really good little mummy you know and she's like oh yeah I got this and then the next slide it was like I don't got this <laughs> this is not working <laughs> well lucky for all of us you've got the writing thing down because we are loving your books um you are one of the very few authors that we have done two books on now because we did your book Heatstroke in season three and my sister actually coincidentally was on as a guest host. So Shawnee didn't read that one. And so then I was like, season five, we have to get, I got to get you back. Got to get you. So Shawnee's got to read the dirty talk. So that is how we squeezed you into season five with Officer Off Limits. Uh, and I think dirty talk, I would say if I read through most of the like reviews and interviews that you've done, I would say like queen of dirty talk is the thing that I see most often. How do you craft like the steam of that? Because I find for me personally, it really gets me into the steam. It really gets me into that emotion and that like, I know exactly like what each character is feeling. You balance the, the naughty with the uh, feels and like emotions behind it very well. Thank you. Yeah. My claim to fame is that Entertainment Weekly called me the Michelangelo of Dirty Talk. Oh, that's awesome. I put that everywhere because <laughs> I have no shame. Um, so my thing at Dirty Talk is uh, I, when I was, so when I first started reading romance novels at 14, I like, I would pick up the book in the bookstore and I would flip to the sex scene like everybody else. <laughs> right. And um, I would read the dialogue. It was like the thing I wanted. I wanted to hear what the, her the hero was saying to the heroine. Like I wanted to hear that. And it's always been my favorite part um, of, a, of a sex scene and maybe arguably the entire book. <laughs> uh, but I think it's really, as long as both parties are consenting and, and, and enjoying the moment, I think it goes a long way for the woman to be objectified. <laughs> I know that sounds terrible, like uh, maybe taken out of context, but I like being objectified in those moments. And as long as it's like 
um, something that I I'm on board with and that I've told, uh, I I've told my partner that I am enjoying. I think it's really sexy and it's really hot for the man to like turn you into this object. And like, you aren't a mom and you aren't a, you know, like a, um, you know, whatever your job is, like you are just this, like, you're just like the sex object. And there's something that's really hot about that. And so, and um, you know, when the man is saying these things to the woman or a man is saying these things to the man, whichever book you're reading, <laughs> uh, you know, I think that's really hot because it's very like um, gritty and it's like base and it's honest and it's how men think. I, I mean, I personally think men think in really fair terms. I don't think it's flowery. I don't think they, they think the word caress in their head. They don't say the word caress out loud. You know, like there's a lot of different words that I don't think men ever think in their head. Yeah. So I think it just has to be, you know, it's, it's like when, when it comes to dirty talking, when it comes to any kind of like, um, mental, you know, dialogue that's happening in a sex scene, it's like very, um, almost kind of like an animal level. (laughs) Yeah. We love love that primalness of it because I totally agree. I think you know, if I was walking down the street and someone was like, that I didn't know was like saying something very vulgar to me or like saying like, Ooh, girl, you have ass. I want to like stick my dick into. I'd be like, yo, I'm sorry, excuse me, sir. I will call the police on you right now. However, if it was someone that I was down to clown with, I'd be like, please do. Let's talk about it. Let's make this happen. Let's talk about this more. (laughs) Yeah. I'd be very excited. I think you're, I think you're nailing it when you're like, I think guys think about like the barest, the, like, you know, they're like, especially when the moment is right in front of them, they're, they don't have a lot of words um, <laughs> to describe. Yeah. Well, we, I need to come. I need to come. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, we were, we were talking about a lingerie uh, one day we were like, is lingerie still a thing? And it's like, I have, when I, when I was 20, you know, you go to Victoria's Secret and they sold you that you needed to wear lingerie for your dude. But let me tell you, I like get the best response out of wearing a tank top with a little bit of side boob and some booty shorts. And, and that's it. My, or my pajamas where he can see my nipple cooking out. And it's like, oh shit. Oh shit. <laughs> I, yeah. I recently bought like some nice lingerie and it was completely wasted. <laughs> yeah. It was like, I feel like it's for me more. It's like for me to be like, Ooh, what do I got under my clothes? So I like, like, like for me, it's like getting into the mindset of which to preface this to your listeners, you guys know that I'm in my pajamas all the time. You see me on Instagram, you know, but I do like the, like the idea of like something secret under your clothes kind of thing. Like that for me, is it like, he could give a fuck. He wants all the clothes to come off. He doesn't care at all what I'm wearing. But uh, I like the the idea of, ooh, well, maybe there's a sexy time under this outfit. Ooh. I think that's what the dirty talk does too. Like um, it puts the ideas, like it plants ideas in your brain. So when you're, when you do hear dirty talk and, and there's so many books where they don't dirty talk. So it's always when, when we get dirty talk, we're like, oh my God. Um, yeah like but it plants those seeds and the thing is it doesn't have to be anything that's ever going to happen like ever you know just say it <laughs> just say that shit it's you know it's yeah. like just the suggestion of it and like the fact that we're having some like such intimate like such an intimate conversation is sexy in itself yeah 
It's almost a little yeah. bit forbidden, you know? Yeah. And officer off limits when he started with like, are you gonna, are you gonna, are we going to go nice and slow? Or are you going to make me sweat for it? I was like, Ooh, <laughs> well, gonna like, make sweat. <laughs> I'm going to make you sweat for it, bro. Come on. <laughs> yeah. He was dirty. Um, I, yeah. I just remember, I like, I can't remember this, like a ton of specific lines from that book, but I remember him saying like, push that hot ass up against my stomach and take a deep. Yeah. And somebody made a teaser out of it and I was like, that was good. <laughs> good. <laughs> I think I think Bridget actually read me that line. I feel like <laughs> Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did, Shawnee. I got a call. <laughs> Tessa, listen, I got a call in like the middle of the night that was like, Shawnee, this book. And she's like, yeah. I'm just gonna do you a favor. I'm gonna start reading you excerpts. So she just started reading. That was from heat stroke. That was from heat stroke because I knew you weren't gonna read it. Because Shawnee only listens to audiobooks uh-huh. and there wasn't an audiobook. So I was like, well, I know you're not going to be reading this one, Shawnee. So I'm just going <laughs> to read it to you. So I read her like 10 of my favorite passages and she was like, oh shit, this book is hot. <laughs> oh my God. I love heat stroke. Um, yeah. It's, it's even different when it's, when it's two men, it's even better because like there is no, um, it's like just it's way more honest, you know, and yeah. nobody's worried about what their body looks like, yeah. you know, I feel like that's like a real heroin thing. That's like a real, like, as what is he, you know, Oh, my thighs and my stomach. And, um, what is he thinking? Men don't think like that. <laughs> they don't care what they're the just, other person's thinking no. or the way they look or. Well, they're just like, she's going to let me fuck her. Like, okay, great. <laughs> that's all they're thinking. Great. This is yeah. okay. <laughs> Don't fuck it up. Don't do anything <laughs> don't, stupid to fuck it up. Don't say anything. My thing don't is say. don't talk. I, like what if, if a guy's already got me, I'm like, don't say too much because you could fuck it up by saying the wrong thing. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like if you say something real dumb, I'm like, shh, shh, it's okay. Shh. <laughs> but like guys, I think are are very primal in their uh in their needs. And they think like because they're a guy, they know what another guy is thinking very easily, I think. Um, just the same way, like, I find it very easy to be in, um, like, I don't know what the word is, but to be in groups of women, like if Bridget is doing something, I know intuitively, like if she's cooking, right. I know she's going to need this, uh, uh, a pan holder. So before I see that she needs it, I'll like, you go get the thing and you help. I feel like women naturally do that because we think alike and we know, you know, and I think guys are the same way in their basic primalness of of sex because I've seen two guys meet and they already know what time it is. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> there's, a, there's not that much conversation. They already know you a dude. I know you're horny as fuck. We're about to do this thing. Let's go. <laughs> yes. I think like, I, I honestly think it must be so like nice not to have to overthink everything. And like, I know that's how I write it when I'm writing male, male, but, um, like in real life, just, can you imagine just like meeting somebody and being like, well, we're connecting. So this is happening <laughs> and we don't have to like drag this out too long. I mean, not that everybody's the same. I'm sure everybody's, di- everybody's different, but yeah, uh, I just like love the Marcus at the pull, the push and pull of, of Jamie and Marcus and them both wanting each other so badly. It was like, oh, I was horny the whole time I wrote that book. <laughs> yeah, I was horny the whole time I read it. Me and my sister were like, this is the best book of all time. <laughs> well, Marcus is really like, 
he was like my, probably one of my favorite characters I've ever written. And he's so relatable and he was so kind of like, somebody just used the word himbo on Facebook, like a bimbo, but a man. <laughs> and that was Carly Marcus. He was kind of just like, you know, just he's a, simple. Just a simple, <laughs> a simple teddy bear who just, Golden he was retriever, like, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Jamie, you know, wasn't really relatable, but you could see Jamie falling for Marcus and that's what made Jamie relatable, you know, like, because we were all falling for Marcus at the same time. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that book. I want to go back and read it. <laughs> you should. It's a quick read, you guys. You guys, if you didn't listen to that episode, first of all, go buy the book and then go listen to that episode in season three because me and my sister read a lot of the best scenes out of it. And it was a real fun cackle fest. So go check that out. <laughs> I, I'm wondering like what, because there's a lot of authors who write male-male. There's a lot of authors who write male-female. And I feel like there's not as many who write both or like go back and forth. Did that, was that like a conscious decision or did you just like, oh, I have this idea. And then you kind of ran with. I think initially, like I, um, my first, so my first male male book was called Wound Tight and it was in the Made in Jersey series. And I didn't like plan on writing a book for that character. His name was Renner. He was kind of like the villain of the series. But then I was like, like I had just written him as I had written him as a gay man. He was a gay man. And I was like, I'd love to give him a book, you know? And so it kind of just like, I kind of fell into it. Um, but then sometimes like, I'll be just writing, I'll be planning out a series and in my head, a character will just be, just be gay, you know, like, and I, I'll want to stay true to that. I don't want to change like my feeling about that. Cause once I have that feeling about somebody, that's it. You know, like I'm not going to change the storyline to suit, I don't know, like what sells better or whatever. Um, I just, I just want to be true to the characters and, and try and re- represent that as much as I can, uh, they, you know, um, represent the LGBTQ community. Cause there are a lot of them that read romance novels, you know, like a lot of, people in that community. And, um, I hope, I hope I do it justice. It's like, you know, like, I don't, I don't think anybody can just step in. I don't think I can just step in and write something that's super authentic in that, in that vein, but I do my best. And, um, I I really actually enjoy it. It's, there's something that's really joyful and, um, just like, just, it's, it's almost, I don't know. It's really, it's really writing two men and that honesty and that rawness of it and the stakes are really high. Um, it's, it's emotional. I just like, I love it. I've only written two and I can't, I, I, I'm already like trying to think about how I can fit in another one. So I just really enjoy it, but I don't know. I don't know. I, yeah, you're right. A lot of, a lot of authors don't write both and probably think it can muddy their brand up a little bit. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you don't give a shit. Muddy it up. <laughs> good. That's good. We want to get everybody to write more diverse romance and muddy everything up so everybody can have their, you know, see themselves represented and have some good happily ever after. Absolutely. Are you, you just said the words when I plot out my series. So you do write a lot of series. Do you know before you start book one what's going to happen in book five? Or do you just have a loose kind of idea? I have a loose, I have a really loose, really loose idea. <laughs> Sometimes I know, I know the personality types of each character. I know who they're going to end up with. And I know, um, where I want their story to like begin and end. 
But as far as like how they're going to get there and what their journey is going to look like, that really comes like when I'm plotting each individual book. Uh, because sometimes like when you meet the characters on the page, you're, they, they're not what you expect. And maybe the decisions you thought they would make aren't the ones that they, that seem authentic in the moment. And, um, it's weird. Like sometimes the dynamic between two characters, it's like, it's like, Oh, it's, that's okay. I like, they're, they're not going where I thought they were going to go. They're like actually really antagonistic towards each other or like, it's funny. They're like real people. You throw them in into a Petri dish and you swirl it around and then you get something maybe sometimes you're not expecting. So I, I do plot each series and I do plot each book, but, um, I always allow for a little bit of organic experience. Um, and I, I try and just compensate for what the characters decide to do. <laughs> Have you ever gotten to the end and just been like, this book did not work. I'm going to just throw it away or start over. I mean, pretty rarely, you know, like there, um, I did have to write one book over completely twice and it was fix her up. <clears throat> and I like, my editor was like, this doesn't work. She's like, this didn't do what you thought it was doing. <laughs> I was like, what? I loved it. You know? So like, sometimes I'm blind to my own flaws, but, um, I've never written anything that wasn't fixable. You know, like there's always a way to go back and, um, Sometimes it takes a long time. Sometimes it's like doing surgery. But um, if a book has good bones, there's always a way to, to, to fix it. Sometimes it's just harder than other times. <laughs> I'm always wondering that, like, um, when, when authors say, like, oh, I had to go back and rewrite it. And I'm always like, from where? Like, how do you, how do you look at that book and go, okay, well, I got to take it back from this moment on and or, okay, I just need to change chapter five, but then now I got to make sure everything I write in chapter five still works with everything else. Like that, that in my brain, I'm like, that's a skill. That is a amazing skill. <laughs> it's the, it's the worst part of this job. <laughs> I always say like, I will write, uh, until cows come home, I will write and write. I love it. And the second I have to revise something, I'm like, um, mm. <laughs> like I started to get like real like oh this is a hard job and like <laughs> whiny um because you do you you sometimes it's like oh this character's motivation wasn't um strong enough from the beginning and so the whole plot felt like it it flopped and so you have to go you know back through the beginning and um I like to like uh you know like really highlight the parts that pertain to what went wrong and then just go and work on those and then go back again to the beginning and then smooth it all in with the original material. And then, you know, so it's like, it is a, it's a serious process. And, um, I, you know, every single time it happens, like every time I get an eight page, uh, edit letter, <laughs> edit letter from my editor, I'm like, okay. I, I email her back and I'm like, I'm just going to put this off for two weeks. <laughs> I don't want to think about it just yet. Uh, and then I'd like have to like psych myself up during those two weeks. Cause it's like, uh, it's crazy, but it's like, it's also in the scheme of things. Like, is it the hardest job in the world? No, <laughs> you know, there's much harder jobs. So I try to keep it into perspective. It's, it's funny. Cause like some tasks seem so daunting. Um, 
So like uh, there was a music video that I shot and edited and it had a couple problems. And I was like, oh man, this is, it's just going to take me so much time to, to fix these problems. And I sat on this video for like three years. I just didn't put it out. <laughs> you know, I was like, and so during quarantine, I was like, you know what, let me just open it up. I'm, I'm going to give it, you know, let me just give it another look. It took me one night to fix <laughs> the things that were wrong in this video. One, so night. one night. Classic. <laughs> and, I, and I was like, son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah. And I, after that, I've been telling everybody like, you know what? Let's give it one night. Let's see what happens. Oh, can we, can we, you know, we've been talking about writing a musical. Like, can we write a musical in one night? Let's see what we, yes, can, we can do. Yes, we can. <laughs> That's like an email inbox where you're like, oh my God, my email inbox. And then you finally just tackle it and it's like 30 minutes. And you're like, yeah. I've been, yeah. I've been putting this off for three months. Yeah. <laughs> like, what's wrong with me? I don't get it. That happens. I work with a lot of different clients and consult and write and do all this stuff. And it can always tell which stuff I like doing better. Cause that to-do list, I'm fucking crushing that to-do list. My other side, I'm like, can't do it. And then I'll be like, Shawnee, I'm going to do it today. And then I'll be like 30 minutes later. I'll be like, I'm finished. And she's like, why'd you put that out? This took 30 minutes. It was insane. So insane. Um, so you write with, a, you have, I don't know if you currently are working with different publishers, but you have worked with different publishers, different editors. What's that like process like in terms of like selling a book to one versus the other, pitching a book to one versus the other. And then maybe getting paired with a new editor you don't have like you know once you work with the same editor over and over I assume you get like a shorthand and you kind of know what's coming up yeah so um you can so when you sign a you when you sign a, a contract with a publisher a lot of times there's a um an option um in the contract which is basically uh we get first dibs on your next series that uh, like your next adult contemporary series. Um, and if you have success with the publisher, like I feel like I've had, a, you know, like really good relationship with Harper Collins and that's why I keep signing with them. Um, so like I'll, I'll, I'll give them the pitch for my next series and they're usually going to want it because we've had like a good track record together. Uh, so yeah, I mean, they would have to turn it down for me to be able to pitch it somewhere else. So you always have to let them get the first shot. And then if they say no, you go, okay, so I'm going to take my pitch uh, to a different publisher. Um, so yeah, I've worked with three different publishers Entangled, uh, Grand Central, and then HarperCollins. And like, I feel like I found a really good fit with HarperCollins, the editor there, like her and I, we're both from San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> which I don't know if that's like, we're both California girls and we are kind of like relatively near the same age. And like, we kind of understand each other's language and humor, we have the same kind of humor. And it's really, I feel like it's rare to find someone that has like um, a personality that clicks with yours that well. So uh, when you find one, you got to stick with them, you know, and tr it, like also trust with an editor is like a very important, uh, a hard and important thing to build so once you built it um you cherish it <laughs> yeah, so yeah like I um I've had all kinds of different experiences never really a bad one just like always um like looking for a better fit until you find it but I've you know 
editors are like so they save they save the world I've had yeah. I mean I could never do what I do without editors so um I'm grateful for them yeah and I love my editor Nicole at, at, at HarperCollins she's fantastic so this is our this will we're going on our fourth series together Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I have a funny story about, so the books are set in Long Beach, New York. And I, cause I live in California right near Long Beach. I was like, Oh, Long Beach, California. <laughs> and like halfway through the book, I was like, I don't think this book is in Long Beach. I was like, like, this doesn't sound right. I was like, where's this beach? Where, where could this possibly be? And then I was like, Oh, New York. It's all becoming clear now. Like, why, can't, why can't they just be at the beach all year? I was like, this book doesn't make sense. Oh my gosh, that's right. <laughs> you guys are like, wait a minute, there's a season? Like, yeah, what? I was like, <laughs> they, they all have to go home at Labor Day? Why? <laughs> oh my God. I, I, like, I've been in New York for 18 years. So I, moved, I moved from San Diego to New York when I turned 18. I like literally the day after I graduated high school, I just drove here and never left. Um, but I like, can't remember what it's like to not have four seasons. I can't fathom it. I don't know what I did with life back then. I can tell you, you just wore flip-flops all the time. I'm from Chicago. I've been here for almost seven years now. And my husband and I are considering potentially one day moving out of LA into another state that would have seasons. And I was like, honey, he's from SoCal. And I was like, I don't know if you can handle it. I don't know if you understand three months in a row of scraping the snow off your car or like, you know, raking the leaves every day for two months while they fall off the giant, you know, maple and oak and whatever trees in our front yard. Like, I don't know if you I don't know if you could not wear flip-flops every He's worn flip-flops every day of his whole life. I'm I like, can tell I you right know. now, that man cannot handle, <laughs> will not. Can, you will move back within six months. You will be back in LA. <laughs> yeah, probably. You just want me to stay here, I, I mean, I, I am, I'm rooting for you to stay, but I, like, I've I only ever lived in LA and Miami. So I, the, the slightest bit of cold, it's like 71 and I'm like, mm getting green on a jacket <laughs> you know Bridget's out there in her shorts and she, she'll put a sweater on but then she has shorts yeah. on and flip-flops and something yeah. and I, I come buckled like she, a yeti she's, like, she's in a in a onesie a fleece onesie <laughs> zipped all the way up with the hood and I'm like oh my God. it's not that cold <laughs> although mornings in California I, I always cool. find like we went and visited uh two summers ago and it was like you know it's cold it's like 40 morning. degrees yeah and yeah. my house right now we have no insulation that's the other thing that like Northern houses have that we don't is like you insulate your house because there's weather and here they're like, whatever, you don't need insulation in the walls or in the floor, like, or in the attic. So my floors in the morning are, I mean, it's at night now it's like 45. My floors are like ice cold. I mean, the kids, I had to put shoes on in the house because like, they don't want to play on the, they're like, let's play in the bedroom on the carpet. And I'm like, <laughs> that's fair. I mean, it's, it, my feet are frozen. So. <laughs> it's a it's a strange life living in Los Angeles, that's for sure. Uh awesome. speaking of Los Angeles and movies. Yes. Are your books being optioned and can they be into movies? Because I was thinking that your hot and hammered series would make a great movie series. Thanks. I mean, I don't know. Um 
my agent says like sometimes like they get she gets calls once in a while people asking to option it but it's like um the hot and hammered series specifically but you know it's more like a um oh we'll just you know we'll give you money if uh if if it gets picked up by a like a production mm-hmm. company is that how it works? right right yep. and she's kind of like yeah you know, like, it'll just sit there. <laughs> I'm like, you're probably right. But, um, I don't know. I like, it seems like a lot of books are being like romance novels are being made into movies and it's like a really exciting time. Like not like, not just passion flicks. Like now we've got Netflix, we've got 365. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, and so I, I don't know. I hope so. Hopefully someday, but there's nothing in the works. Cause I was reading it and I was like, cause Shani hasn't read that series yet. And I was reading it and I read the, the ARC of um, the last one last month, I guess it was. And I was like, Shani, I was like, this would be a great movie. It's a contained, <laughs> a contained location contain Cause like I'm, we come from a production background. Yeah, we're production. So I'm always thinking logistics too. I'm always like, I'm like, you know, any of the ones that have like, like officer off limits would be harder. Cause you have to have like the snipers, you have to have weapons that immediately makes things more expensive. Like you have to have more gear. So I'm like, all you need is a small new England town somewhere with the tree, you know, with the look, I was like, yeah. that's pretty easy. One, lo- one town, maybe five locations total in the town. I'm like you made this movie. I yeah, was like, it's no, I, agree. House. I mean, call me Hollywood. Call like, Hollywood. <laughs> get on this. I'm here. <laughs> Yeah, no, I would be, I mean, that would be thrilling, you know, but I, I don't know. It feels, that feels so much, that feels like something that happens to other people. (laughs) I don't know. People like, you know, anytime someone asks me like, so is there any chance of the, I'm like, no, there's no (laughs) chance of books being made into movies. Um, Cause it just seems like something that happens to other people. um, But you know, someday. I feel like if Julia Quinn can get the Bridgertons made, which is historical, is so expensive. Like yeah. there's a way better shot for you getting <laughs> hit by lightning than that actually. Be, that Bridgerton is going to be, I mean, like my hopes are way too high. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. I mean, it looks so amazing. Looks I mean, just so the good. pictures and, the, and the, the cast and yeah. everything. And you know, what's so cool about the cast? Like even just like thinking of the sisters, like, they just look like normal people, you know, yeah. like they mm-hmm. didn't cast like, um, like Hotties. a lot of the cast is beautiful, but like yeah. they didn't cast like model looking people. And yeah. so it feels like more attractive to me. Like I want to yeah. watch that. I want to watch those people hook up and fall in love. Like, cause yeah. it seems like it would really happen. Yeah. And, um, yeah. what's, what's her first name? Featherington, uh, the one who falls in love with Colin. Uh, oh man. Hyacinth or something. <laughs> No, no, it's it's one of the it's one of the three, yeah, the three, the one who, anyways, one of the three sisters, Jane Featherington, is it Jane? Mm, I I don't know. That's what it's right. You guys on Instagram, you guys know who I'm talking about. You guys a long time ago that series, but I was obsessed with it. I like, I think it was in high school. I read those books, and I mean, they're so good. We got to interview Julia and she talked all about the show and about her books and stuff. And we were like dying. We we're like, Shawnee was losing her mind because Shawnee is a huge <laughs> historical person. I, Shawnee's been introducing me to historical. So through the podcast, I've now read 12 historicals and I've been having a lot of fun reading that. Shawnee has been, re- she's probably read thousands over the course of her reading journey. And 
So she was like losing it. And I was like, okay, you can do this, Shawnee. It was like <laughs> before we interviewed her, I was yeah. like, we had this like we ran around the house, ran around the house, yeah. it was like, ah, ah, get it up, yeah. get it up. Ah. <laughs> Julia, may I call you Julia? Julia, may I call you Julia? <laughs> <laughs> Um, what is it? I, I, I've been reading historicals lately too. Uh, Kerrigan Byrne is like what has been getting me through the pandemic. I mm-hmm. love her. Yeah. What is it like, you know, like you're a published author. She's a published author. Like, what is it like having read romance since you were 14 and now you are, you know, a peer or contemporary with these other authors that you've been reading for so many years? Yeah, it's weird. It's totally weird, like, um, to go, like, because, so, well, Julia Quinn and I have the same publisher, so, like, I remember the first time, like, I was in an audience with her, like, I think it was in, at Collins offices, and her, like, raising her hand to ask a question and stand up, and I was like, oh my god, <laughs> I was like, she was there the whole time, and then, um, you know, like, I haven't been on a panel with her, but I've been, um, you know, like at KissCon with her in Chicago and like Sarah McLean, you know, like being on a panel with Sarah McLean is totally surreal every single time. And um, yeah, like it, it's, it, it never gets old. And, I'm, and I always feel like an imposter. <laughs> but, uh, you know, like maybe I actually more recently I've started to be like, no, I, I feel like I've written enough now to feel like I belong. Uh, yeah, you have. You're a published author. You got multiple series. Of got over 10 written, series. Like 50. Yeah, I was like, you've written like 50 books or 40 books or something right. like it's that. creeping up on 50. And I'm like, I think it's just because the whole thing's been a blur that I didn't stop to take stock of like what I've done at each point or milestone. And so, yeah, maybe it's the pandemic. Maybe that's the one good thing that comes out of the pandemic. Make of like going oh like actually taking time to think about it um but it is really it really just never stops being normal to like go and you know like louisa james and you know just big authors that were big when i was a kid you know yeah uh so it's it's just it's too it's super cool it's the coolest thing that will ever happen to me <laughs> it's it's um so my nieces and nephews, so I, like Bridget and I know each other. We met actually at YouTube. Um, but I remember one day my niece, like overhearing my niece in the other room saying to her friend, she's like, that's my auntie Shani Nani. She's on YouTube. And <laughs> with, with the greatest, like, you know, just like she put all the respect on my name. And I was just like, oh, shit, she thinks I'm cool. Oh, shit. and it's I feel like it's gotta be that that, like when you're when you're you know going to panels or meeting fans or uh that sort of thing you know it's gotta you've gotta have a little bit of that feeling where it's like oh shit somebody thinks I'm cool I'm good I think I think most authors can relate to it where it's like you are in your own house all the time and you're 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 like the only company you have is yourself so like when you actually go to panels like and then you meet um, people who read your books, it's like, oh, oh, like this, people have been reading the books that I've been writing. Like that's, you know, and you kind of like remember and you realize like that what you do is actually kind of like, it's affecting people in a way, like even if it's just for an hour or two. 
Um, and it's like, it's, it just makes you more excited to go home and start again. Going. That disconnect sometimes I find like, so, you know, if you put a video out on YouTube, the only feedback you really get, right. Is if people comment or write to you, that's how you know that whatever you're doing is effective or, um, so you, but you rarely get that, you know, feedback, you know? And so it's something you just put a work out there and it's out in the world and you don't know what it's doing out there. And there's always this curiosity in my mind, which is like, it's probably one one hundredth of a person of people who are commenting. What yeah. is, what is, you know, everybody else, what's happening with them? What's, you know, and that's yeah. just an interesting, you know, thing. Yeah. It's like, a, it's like putting out a book and like, you know, every 400th person leaves a review or whatever it is. And you're like, who are those people? <laughs> I, I want to say that I am those people before we started this podcast. I, I read hundreds of books a year and I never review any of them. Even now, like, obviously I review all the ones we do for the podcast. And I would say of the rest of the books that I read, I maybe review 25% at most. It's funny, I like, now try to do ratings. I do try to do at least yeah. a rating because I know that's helpful. But it's just like, I just want to keep reading. I want to like keep talking about it. I like it's that the sitting down and like stopping and not starting the next book. Cause of course I finished your book. And instead of doing my notes, like I should have right then, because I don't <laughs> ever do that. I always, I immediately was like, well, let me get the next book. And then I ended up actually skipping that one and doing the one, um, the fifth book where, um, I was taking his yeah, where he goes and picks up the younger sister and she lies to him. And yeah. then he starts spanking her. And I was like, this is the one I want to read today. <laughs> so I, I skipped right to that one. And I was like, Shani, this book is also great. You should, she's like, when did you have time to read that before you recorded? And I was like, I made time. I made time by not writing the reviews. Yeah, it's weird because like I think of like the author that I'm most obsessed with and like the one that I hunt her books down the second they come out and I don't even leave the reviews for those books. Like, yeah. so, you know, you kind of think, Oh, the people that leave reviews are my, 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 my really like my, my hardcore fans. And then if they're, they, maybe they're not, you know, like you yeah. just don't know. Like some people, like I, I didn't, I wasn't aware of any of this romance land, but when I was just a reader, yeah, like, I would just like, I would just go in Amazon or I'd go to the bookstore and I would look to see what the current book is from my favorite author. <laughs> exactly. I didn't, have, I didn't go on Goodreads. I didn't go in mm-hmm. Facebook groups. I didn't have podcasts. Like it is just, it's kind of like something I only became aware of when I became a, a, a writer. So I have to imagine that there's a lot of people out there that are just like in their own, they're just also, doing, they do it, you know? Yeah. yeah. But Goodreads lies. Let me tell you yeah. right now. <laughs> yep. Goodreads is just like, what we like we have found not the greatest place to get a good representation of how good a book is or is not I at agree. all yeah. because we've picked up books that have been raved about we're like who like what who read this book who read this five stars you know it's not a look even if you thought you really like this book and we disagree it's not a five-star book I'll tell you that right now <laughs> and they'll be like thousands of five stars and i'm like i find it very interesting because there's this idea um i forget what the like psych psychology term for it is but it's like you either give something one star or five stars people have a really hard time giving things in the middle so it's like the same if like you're on yelp or something you're like five star restaurant or i hated it one star but it's like really most things are in the middle they're not one or five they're most things are you know yeah. in the bell curve they're at three or four or two yeah it and, really it's not it's pretty subjective that that site and i mean like i have books 
on there that are rated higher than Catcher in the Rye. Is that fair? No, it's not fair. <laughs> Does that make any sense? No, it's just not. Actually, well, I do. I disagree with that. And here's why. First of all, <laughs> first of all, I love your books, so I would disagree with you. I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you some confidence. Secondly, it's it's all about the genre you're in because you can't compare yourself to Catcher in the Rye. You're a completely different genre. So we always talk about on when we're doing our reviews. And we've been called savage before because our we are very like uh, I don't want to say aggressive, but we're aggressive with our reviews because we want people who listen to our podcast to know if we give it four or five stars, like buy that book immediately because that book is great. If we give it three stars, it's hitting exactly what we wanted to hit in that subgenre or genre and what we expected. Two or one stars, like that's a skip for us. But like your books for for the genre that they're in deliver so well like you're when i come to read a fun contemporary romance that's going to be steamy like your book is hitting all those bam 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 like you're not hitting catcher in the rye because you're not aiming like that's a completely different like i'm not in the mood to read catcher in the rye today you know i'm in the mood to read testimony catcher in the rye you read once one right. time. One Tessa time in Bailey, high school. Bailey, when you pick up that book, it's an investment, right? An I'm investment. About to, I bought this book. It's an investment. You know how many times I'm about to pick this book up? <laughs> more than once. More than I once. Might skip, I might skip to some favorite chapters, but I'm going to read it more than once. I'm going to pick it up with one hand. <laughs> yes. 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 That's our tagline. May your books be your lover and your hand your best friend. That's, oh my God. That's, That's so good. <laughs> merch, 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 merch. Yes, merch. Speaking when, of merch, do you do, like, obviously you write a ton of books. Do you do any other sort of, um, like, merch or Patreon or any other outside stuff? Or do you use typically, like, focus on just writing more books? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I have done like merch like in the past. Um, but I just get like, I don't know. I, I, I really just want to write books. <laughs> like, I just want to focus on writing really good books and um, the stuff around it. I get really lazy with like, I really am bad at promoting myself. Um, I'm terrible at self-promotion. And uh, I'm like, the book will speak for itself. And the, the truth is, it, it, these days, it doesn't really. Um, you do have to like kind of tap dance a little bit to get people to, to click and to like sure. believe you. <laughs> That's good. Sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, I could be doing so many things better. You know, like I always think I see like Willow Winters has like a, a subscription box and she's like, got a s- online store for signed books. And I'm like, I just like, it's another one of those things where I'm like, if I just took one day. I could have that figured out. Like I, people email me all the time. They're like, do you sell signed books? And I'm like, no. (laughs) (laughs) You know what you could do that would be easier though. You could like partner with a local bookstore and then you wouldn't have to manage anything. When I do a HarperCollins release, I usually do um, signed books through an indie bookstore. Like this most recent time I did um, tools of engagement. I sold signed copies through word in Brooklyn and so I do that, you know, like there are pop-up chances and stuff like that, but I, I need to, you know, yeah. Like I don't have any, like, <laughs> one, good, <laughs> like I don't, <laughs> one thing I think is, is cause we've had a lot, not a ton of authors, but we've probably interviewed what, like 12, probably Shawnee at this point or 14 maybe. And we have had a variety of people. So like we have some authors who are like you, who are like, I just want to write books. 
And they also find that they may end up making more money because they publish more books. And then you have some authors who really enjoy the merch. They enjoy the Patreon. They enjoy that side of it. And it doesn't feel like a chore. And so they're like, oh, I can, when I'm taking a break from writing, I can do this other stuff. And it's a great way to like engage and do it. But I, I kind of feel like we've definitely seen a divide. It's either like they just want to write books and publish books and they publish a lot of books and they make a living or they're like, I want to publish books and I enjoy this other side. So I don't think you need to do it. If, if you're making your living and you're enjoying writing, like, I don't think it's something you need. I don't think you should sweat it is what I'm saying. I'm giving you yeah, full I permission just, to not sweat it and just be like, I'm never going to do it in the back. Thank you. Never gonna thank you. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> never have to do it. We just want more books from you. We don't, we don't need. <laughs> That's all you're going to get. I, I, you know, like, I just don't have time for anything else. Maybe someday though, like maybe someday I'll do like a Michelangelo dirty talk shirt or something. Yeah. <laughs> someday what you do someday. is you hire yourself a nice hire assistant. Yes. to go do that for you because they'll That's be good true. at that and they can do it in less time and they can make it look real good and just yep. pay somebody. Yep. You're right. I, I should do that. I, I probably should work on my trust issues first. <laughs> before I do that. But I will get there. We're about to have assistance before and like, they're lovely and they're wonderful and really good at what they do. And I'll be like, no, no, like I don't want to do that. <laughs> like, and they're just like, I can't do anything. You won't let me do anything. Yeah. Uh, Problems. About to to hire an intern and I'm like on the fence about it. And I'm like, you have to hire this intern. You guys need help. And I'm like, I don't know if I thought her writing was strong. Not like I can't like rewrite it. It doesn't sound like you, right? Yeah. Yeah. But like, that doesn't sound like me. (laughs) But like, I, but I'm also like, yeah, but you could just do the writing part. She could schedule it all. She could do all the, like, I could write her like some stock, you know, response, like here's 12 different things. You could post as comments to like different, whatever. And I'm like, it could happen. And also I'm like you and I'm like, or I can just do it all myself. And I'm like, you can't, you can't Bridget. You can't, but I, but I get it. But I want to, I I can't hand over editing of music videos to other people. Like, I can't have my footage in other people's hands. I can't like, it's just, Oh, it's so hard. Oh, that, that release of letting go that like, it's like yeah. a perfectionism type thing that yeah. just like, it's weird because you want to let it go. You're like, this is not serving me. I need to let it go. <laughs> but also I'm holding on too tightly. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, that's, yeah. I like no one. It's like, I know other people could do, like I've talked about this before with my friend and it's like, it sometimes it doesn't need to be done your way. Sometimes it just needs to get done. And like, that's something I try to tell myself all the time, but it's like, it's, it's like, then I forget. And then yeah. I forget. I forget. <laughs> it's, like, it's a lesson I relearn almost every day. <laughs> Bridget's, helped, Bridget's helped me with that because I don't like to be on social media. Right. But for what I do, I need to be on social media. And I'm like, but I come from like a family of divas who like, you got to be camera ready. You got to have your face on, you got to do a thing, you know, whatever. And so I don't like being candidly filmed and then posted online without me knowing it and that sort of thing. But Bridget is the opposite. Bridget's like, she's in her pajamas. She's like, this is me today. You know, (laughs) fresh face Thursday, you know, like, um, and, and, uh, so there was one day, you know, she was like, well, Shana, you can film me anytime you want. It's fine. Um, and she was like, Shana, you can, you gotta let go. Like, yeah, you just gotta let go a little bit. So I've been trying to incrementally, like, you've been doing a good job. You've let, you've been letting me post stories without 
checking what I'm posting. So I I'm have you. in my brain, I go, I go, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, that would be really, that would be a real tough call for me. Um, but I, yeah, like I, I mean, it's just, yeah, it's just, it's, it's like, I just want to lose myself in stories, I think is what it is. And it's like, I don't, um, I don't, I, I don't want to like open myself up for like immediate feedback. I'm like, I want to like, just like kind of like keep myself in this little safe place until I'm ready to like, let it go. And social media is like constant, you know, constantly opening yourself up for, you know, like, yeah, yeah. I, I think you're, yeah, I yeah. think you make a good point though. Like, I think it's important to protect yourself first, your energy first mm-hmm. and like, and your craft, you know, and art first. So like if being on social media is going to give anxiety that stops you from being, you know, moving forward in your day and doing other things. Uh, Cause I find that social media does that to me. If I get, if I start swiping through all of a sudden, everybody has a great looking life and then you start <laughs> second guessing everything. And you're like, why am I this age? And I haven't done this yet and this and this, and you start comparing. And then that creates this anxiety that puts a halt to, to movement sometimes. And so, and like, and now after watching the social dilemma, it's like I'm so much more aware of like what I get from positive feedback that I'm like, oh no, it's artificial, and I need to like cut back on it a little bit. Um, have you guys seen that movie? No, I haven't I'm watched watch it, it yet because I'm <laughs> um, in a strictly happy place in terms of my consumption of media. So I am only reading obviously rom-coms and, you know, romances in general, but like even the movies I'm watching, like there's a bunch of things that I'm like, that looks great. That's the 2021. That looks great. That's the 2021. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, Is that because of COVID watched... or the elections? It's both. It's COVID. Both. It's the election. It's just like, ge- like the, the general buildup of just like, too many things like you said it's like some great thing happens and then something else happens back and you just like and so I for the rest of the year I'm like you know what I told Shawnee I was like normally I don't like when people sing Christmas music around me in November just because like first of all I find Christmas music a little bit annoying because you hear it so much so it's in every store and it's in every car and it's just too much for me but I'm like you know what this year I'm gonna start watching Hallmark movies this week. I don't care. It's November. I'm gonna start watching Hallmark because I just want like uh for sure. Ha- I don't want any twists. I don't want any turns. I want to know at the end everybody's gonna be happy. Everything's gonna be working. I know. Out right. I, I it's know. gonna be cheery that. music. Like <laughs> I started watching The Good Place again. I love that show. Yeah, because it made it was like a happy show, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Oh, Chini and Chini, like, yeah, was just like there they are, and yeah. Derek, yes, Derek. Oh my god! Yes. Uh, if you guys haven't watched Good Places on Netflix right now, and it is an astounding like Lego, it's one of the best so shows good. I've ever seen. It, yeah, because you know, it it's about philosophy, which yeah doesn't sound like it would be funny or interesting, but they they're basically trying the whole arc of the show is trying to find out what a good person is and like yep. how to be a good person. Ted dances so in it. And it's actually a really difficult question. Um, anyways, it's, uh, it's one of my favorites. And there's shows. also a love story. Actually, there's multiple love, love story. stories, like, but there's a, a such a sweet, yeah. oh, so wonderful. It's great. I haven't it's a great seen show. the last season of it yet. Oh, so okay. 
I just, I, I don't know why I think we just got busy with the podcast, but I was like very yeah. into it. Yeah. But the, the weird thing is, and I don't, I actually don't know where the love story goes between Chidi and uh, Eleanor. Eleanor and Eleanor, but it was weird because I could see that they were trying to sell this love story. And I was like, I'm, I'm not for this <laughs> love story at all. Like, like I, it didn't, it didn't feel like a lot, like, you know, you know, you've like the chemistry of characters, right? Like, I was like, oh, they don't have any chemistry. I, I do not feel this love story. I know this is what they're trying to sell me. And then there's a certain point where I was like, oh, and yeah. I was like, how did they sell me on this love yeah, story? This, this is a weird chemistry that they have. Like, this is, I don't know what happened, but it works. It really, it did take a while. It was like a slow, uh, it was like a snowball process of like, yeah. it, it, the buildup was like so slow. You almost like missed it. Missed it. And then yeah. all of a sudden it was like, oh, oh that yeah. is perfect <laughs> yeah the way he looks at her and the way that she's kind of like self-conscious because she feels this way he doesn't feel oh so good so good it's, it's a great <laughs> show you guys everyone immediately go and check it out on netflix yes. highly recommend um i want to talk about your book covers because you have had a variety of styles so your latest one was illustrated but you've also had you know like the sexy folk on the cover <laughs> Which are your favorite? Which do you naturally pick up in a store? It's funny. Like lately I've been picking up illustrated covers. Um, it's like, I got, <laughs> it's like, I got like sucked in by my own scheme. <laughs> I, don't I, I don't know. I was like, oh yeah, like this is something I would like uh, because I like something else that looked like this. You know, it's so yep. funny. I, um, but I always, I, I always say like, it's the exact same book I always write. It's always yeah. going, like, I'm never going to write something that isn't nasty and sexy. Yeah. I'm just yeah. always going to write that. Yeah. I'm always going to write the same, um, you know, like funny. It's always going to be kind of like a rom-com, you know, whether it's got abs on the cover or whether it's like people that look like cartoons, it's always going to be funny. It's always going to be hot. Um, and hopefully fast paced and witty. So really the only thing, <laughs> the only thing that changes is the cover. So I, I, I laugh because I'm like, Target would never put me in their stores until they put cartoons on the cover. But I was like, jokes on you, Target. <laughs> so there's just as many blowjobs in this one. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be so, the tagline of this episode. Jokes on you, Target. There's just as many blowjobs. <laughs> don't t- don't I, tag them. So like, that's, you know, obviously what we're finding is that, you know, publishers are trying to reach a wider audience of people by going away from that traditional, uh, or like more traditional sexy cover look. Um, but I also wonder, I guess you, I don't know if you read your reviews or, or anyone has said anything, but I also wonder if people pick up your book and they're like, this looks great. It's about an HGTV sort of esque show and they're going to fall in love. And then they read it and they're like, hold the phone. This is some... Every every review that I've been tagged in on Instagram is don't let the cover fool you (laughs) (laughs) every single time. Um, Yeah, I definitely, I I mean, I think that they had to cast a wider net um, romance, like traditional romance because Kindle Unlimited, like come on, came along like Pac-Man and just like sucked up the readers. Um, And I, you know, I think it worked. Like I can see so many people, um, in their reviews and in just like reaching out to me that are like, 
I don't normally read romance, but it was just so funny because I'm like, you don't? Like, what were you reading? <laughs> what were you doing? <laughs> what have you been, where have you been, you know? And yeah. so um, it's definitely, it's it's reaching people that like would normally pick up something that was like kind of light chiclet or, um, but then they're addicted. You can see like, it's not like they were like, oh, this was a mistake. They're like, this was interesting. I want more. Where do I get more? Yeah, like, so, I, know, I didn't know I wanted this. Yeah. <laughs> <And> I wanted. <laughs> no, I had no idea. I was so, it, I was into this. And then you catch up with them like four months from now and they're just like whips and chains. Like, <laughs> I found my place. I found my place. They have your whole back catalog, <laughs> you know, stacked up next to them. I feel like uh, in a way, uh, for better or for worse, that's what like, you know, 50 shades of gray did was like a lot of people were like watching it and thinking like, Oh, maybe I should look more into this BDSM thing. And I feel like that that's why a whole wave of books became BDSM and like 90% of them were terrible, but like, (laughs) but like, I think a lot of people just in general became much more open about BDSM talking about it, you know, because of that, it was like, Oh, I didn't even know. Like I watched The Secretary when I was, I don't know, really young. Um, and uh, it's like a you know movie about this girl. I love, I love The Secretary. Yeah, yeah. you know. Um, and obviously BDSM. And so I didn't like, I didn't know I was kinky. Like as a kid, looking back, I was like, oh, I should have known I was a kinky ass person. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, cause I was like, I was talking, I was like 14 crafting like all these scenarios in my mind. Okay. I'm going to tie them up and I'm going to do this. And, uh, and I just like, and I didn't want to tell anybody that because I was like, that is so taboo to be even thinking about. And you're in a super Christian home. So you just like shove it away, you know? Uh, but when I saw the secretary, it was kind of, I was like, oh, like, oh, this exists, you know, in other forms. And it gave me, it started giving me a vocabulary for something I didn't know, yeah. you know, about. That's and a conversation, you know, and it's yeah. like, um, and I think it's important. I, I don't know, like, it's so, it's one of the, one of romance land's strengths is that women have, are able to vocalize their, their wants and their sexuality, like sexualities, like, like talk about their sexuality, like so openly and like, you know, so even if you didn't like Fifty Shades of Grey, like it got you talking and it got you wondering, why don't I care so care enough about like my own orgasms? I don't know, maybe, <laughs> maybe not, not that basic, but like, you know, why don't I think about this more and why don't I explore this more? And why yeah. don't I, yeah, like, what do I like, you know? And mm-hmm. it, was, it was kind of like a really sparked a conversation among women and got women talking and like, I think hopefully reduce the shame that comes with liking sex. If you're a woman, you know, um, that's our big goal. We're always like, we don't want, we want anyone to come to our podcast and listen. And we're all for all the different things that happen. And we talk about it. Some of them we say, Oh, this is for us. Some of them we say, Oh, that isn't for us, but it might be for you. And so you go explore that in a safe and healthy and consensual way. Uh, (laughs) even in your mind via books or with a partner, or two or four. We're not judging. We do you. <laughs> Absolutely. No king shaming. No king yeah. shaming. <laughs> no yak in um, the yum. <laughs> you have been uh, married for a long time. Do you have any personal advice about, you know, finding your happily ever after and, and finding that person and keeping them, keeping <laughs> yourself happy and them happy? And I, you know, I, I think it's kind of cliche, but um, I, you really have to like, 
communicate. You have to talk when you are upset about something or when you're having a fight, you need to talk it out. You can't just let it drop or just like do the silent treatment for a day and then just get over it because it, it just builds up. Um, I will share some advice though that I got at my wedding, at my wedding reception. I still to this day don't know who this guest was at my wedding reception, but she said, she said, you know, you gotta, she was, she was drunk. <laughs> she was like, uh, maybe like, maybe in her like late thirties, like early forties, she was like, you got to communicate. And then every once in a while, Lou, put it in your butt. that's her so that's the key to a happy marriage i would say is uh you know once in a while (laughs) put it in the butt do it up the butt that's the butt (laughs) is that is that debut no that's the butt i I saw a clip from ruth bader ginsburg she was they were talking about her marriage and how long she's been married or, or or whatnot and um she said that she got advice on her wedding day from her mother-in-law that said, sometimes you just got to be a little bit deaf. And uh, she said that that has, you know, kept her marriage going over, you know, many years. And so I, I when she passed away, I heard this. So it wasn't that long ago. But ever since that day, I started just being a little bit deaf. And I swear that has changed like a whole lot. <laughs> I'm just like, pretend that never that you didn't even say that. Like, I'm just going to keep moving. Yeah, yeah, I'm like... <laughs> I know sometimes I, it could probably benefit him too, you know, right? Like, um, cause like sometimes I say things like I probably shouldn't have said or should have just kept to myself. Um, but I think, you know, like being on someone's team and letting them know that you're on their team is also really important. Like it, it's, you know, it, it makes me feel good. It makes me feel happy and secure when I know like that I have someone in my corner, no matter what. And like, I, so I wrote a book called love, uh, love her or lose her recently. And it deals with the love languages like that you, you know, we each have, and it's like, we each have a a preferred way of giving love and a, and a preferred way of receiving love. And I think it really made a difference when I found out what mine was and what my husband's was like, his was physical touch. And mine was like, um, and mine was like verbal, like um, words of affirmation, words of affirmation. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, like <laughs> obviously, you know? And so it, it helps us like communicate better. And there you can also find out what your children's, I just found out what my daughter's, um, my, my daughter's, uh, love language is quality time, like time spent. And like, I just like in reading up on that, I realized there was things I wasn't doing, you know? that maybe like I thought that I was covering, but I wasn't. Uh, so I just think like learning about each individual person, like there's no sweeping rule for any marriage or any parenthood. Like there really is, it's individual. So that's, that's my advice. <laughs> Take that's, it or leave great, it. that's great advice. <laughs> yes. Um, so is there a question that when you do an interview, um, that you wish people would ask you, like something you wanted to gush about or talk about, or that just like nobody ever asked. Um, let me think. I so so recently when I was at KissCon, somebody asked me, "What's a book you've always wanted to write but never had a chance to?" And I thought that was one of my favorite questions of all time. And at the time, I hadn't written the paranormal series yet that I'm writing, and so. Uh, my, my answer was, oh my God, I've always wanted to write about a family of morticians. <laughs> like, and I, you know, it, 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 it like 
just saying it out loud made me do it. It's so weird. So I think that was one of my favorite questions of all time. Um, is somebody asking what's something that you want to write, but you like have either had the bravery to do it or the chance. So now my goal is now I'm going to say it out loud so that I, hey, yeah. <laughs> I can't go back on it. But I recently on TikTok saw that there are people who, um, when like there's some, an animal that's lonely at the zoo, like specifically in this video was a panda that the zookeepers will dress up like pandas and go in and, and interact with that panda. So he doesn't feel lonely. Aww. And I want to write a, char- a character that does that. <laughs> Cause I think that would be so interesting and so fun. Oh, and imagine like the adorable happily ever after they would get just like, what's your job? Oh, I go and hug pandas. And my twisted mind, my twisted mind was whoever is in there is getting hugged by a panda. Okay, so by a panda. <laughs> I was lonely, but come here, girl, let's get <laughs> Well, I like, I am, I, but part of me is like, they cannot be fooling that panda. Like, <laughs> Like the person's at like five foot five at minimum. So like, is the panda that stupid? Like probably not. But the I, panda I think probably just wants somebody in there. They don't care that it's a human. They just want to like throw the intern in. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Tessa, thank you so much for being here today. This was so much fun. Oh my gosh. I had such a great time. I'm so glad we got to sit down and connect finally. And thank you for um, all the love you've been showing my books. It means so much to me. It was great to be here. Well, I mean, you show us a lot of love in those books. I'm just saying. (laughs) (laughs) We are are here for you, Tessa Bailey. My pleasure. (laughs) And yours. And ours. All right. All right. Well, that's all we have time for, dear listeners. Until then, may your books be your lover. And your hand, your best friend. (laughs) Thanks for hanging in with us, romance readers. Head over to Instagram to continue chatting with us. We're super friendly. We want to cackle with you. We want to know what your favorite sex scene was. And we need more book recommendations. If you want to read along with us, go to our website, romanceataglance.com, to see what we're reading next. And we'll see you next podcast.